This program is part of the Cosmic Potato Podcast Network. For more shows like this, visit our website at CosmicPotato.com. Hi, this is Shane. And this is Virginia. And this is Wait You've Never Seen, a podcast dedicated to discussing well-known movies and TV shows that one of us has never seen. And today we're discussing, wait, you've never seen Doctor Who? Now to be fair, <laughs> we're not gonna, that's, that can't be the whole episode. I was just going, no, I'm not going to let it happen. Okay. So I have watched a couple episodes here and there. We watched the Titanic 2 episode. We did. did it was we a watch, Christmas special, I think. Did we watch the, the, the angels? The angel? The weeping angels? I don't think we did. We never watched weeping angels? I don't think so. I No, I've told you about them. Right. So I'm a, I'm certainly aware of Doctor Who. Like, I know, I already knew that he was a Time Lord. Um, I think it was probably in that Titanic episode where he came, he ran up and he's like, I'm a Time Lord and I'm this many years old. And if we, <laughs> if we want to get off this ship, we got to do this or whatever it is. So before we get started, oh, um, I did, did. want to I did want to mention um, for a trigger warning that they do talk about in one of the episodes Vincent Van Gogh's mental illness and his suicide and that sort of thing. Um, so one of the episodes we're talking about is called Vincent and the Doctor, and so that's that episode. And the other one is Silence in the Library. So tell me some maybe three things that you expected from this TV show. Well, number one, I wanted Vincent... So I love... First of all, I love Vincent Van Gogh. Uh, he is on my Mount Rushmore of art. Uh-huh. I love art. I went to art school. I sort of do art, and I'm a graphic designer by trade. And I love, love art, and I love, love, love Vincent Van Gogh. So... All this show could really do is super disappoint me. <laughs> That's not true. That's not true. It could make it could make me like you know. It could have been a big. It could it could have either been a big disappointment or a really big hug. Uh huh. But we won't get into that right now. What I wanted was, I wanted the doctor to help him. I wanted the doctor to help Vincent because he kills himself. He suffers from a, a break with reality. He also, Vincent Van Gogh, also could have used a lot of help with marketing and business. He was a prolific artist. He created over 2,000 pieces. But he only sold two paintings in his life, and one of them was to his brother. So that one, some people don't count that. The other one was to a friend. or They mentioned mm-hmm. it in the show, actually. Yeah. The sister of a friend, I think it was. Right, so it's already still like a, you know. Um, so yeah, I really, I hope this isn't what I expect. I just hope that they <laughs> be treated with respect, which leads me to my second thing. I didn't want any ear jokes. <laughs> I didn't want uh, making light of his sickness, which was very likely caused by lead and or other heavy metals that were in the paints that he used, which whose effects they couldn't possibly have known in European... Or, or, um, 1890. Yeah, Victorian Europe, right? Well, 1890 is when he died. Oh. 
And I think he is 30-something or 40-something. 37. 37 when he died. Um, 2.5, because I just love Vincent Van Gogh. Mm. Um, I wanted... Oh, this, oh, this is so... This, like, made me feel so good. I wanted to see them recreate one of his paintings, <laughs> like, in the shots, <laughs> which we can get to. Yes. Um, Silence in the Library... I expected something that had to do with space travel and hist- space travel history uh-huh. because of the the image you showed me looked like it was someone in a library. I'm very literal. <laughs> someone in a library that had a spacesuit on. So I'm like, oh, maybe it's going to be about the Apollo, <laughs> Apollo Mercury missions or something. So, you said two point five stars. For just in general, right? You didn't have a separate one for I Vincent. Didn't, I didn't say that, but did you see my phone? You must have seen my phone. No, I didn't. Because it says 2.5 right there. So, yeah, 2.5. I've already seen a couple of Doctor Who episodes. The thing that in general that it just, I don't, I had a hard time getting into Doctor Who just because I'm like, what am I dealing with? Like, I don't know what the hell it is. Like, it can literally be anything from one show to another. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, there's obviously lots of, you know, London-heavy things that happen because that's the cheapest because it's made by the BBC. I think there was one year in the classic Doctor Who where the TARDIS broke and really (laughs) they just had such a low budget. they They had to film everything in England that year. Well, it's better than just, like, it just throwing a bunch of sand on the ground and being like, now we're in the desert. <laughs> no, you're not. So did you come up with a one-sentence TV guide summary for either or both? Or oh, just Doctor Who in general? I didn't feel like with Doctor Who I finished my, I finished my oh, thought. Maybe okay. I did. Okay. <laughs> anyway, my thought in general about Doctor Who is um, the, things, the things that I love and can get into... Like, um, like Star Wars has a very particular look. You know what you're going to get when you turn it on. You know what you're going to get when you, when I turn on a Star Trek show or movie, there's certain things that I already expect and I want to see. Mm -hmm. It's been around for a long time Mm -hmm. and I kind of... It, there's a comfort to it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, um, w- w- what do you say on the Discovery after show? The 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 concept of um, headcanon? Oh, right. Uh-huh. Like, there's things in my head I have that make this Star Wars, that make this Star Trek. Uh-huh. There's not, is there headcanon for Doctor Who? There can't, there can't really be exactly, unless it's, like, very specific tools that the Doctor has and maybe certain rules that the Doctor and the Companion have, but very little else. So, my general... I'm, I am no... Doctor Who expert. Like, my okay. my nerdery tends to focus in Star <laughs> Trek. I do love Doctor Who, but I don't know as much as some people about it. Yeah. Um, so, in terms of, of looks, every Doctor has their own specific look. Like, sort of a uniform. Like, um, right. Matt Smith commented on Bill Nye's bow tie. And it's like, right. bow ties are cool. 
He always that doctor always wears a bow tie. That's the one who looks like he's twelve. Yes, with the redheaded uh, companion. They all have so he always wears a bow tie with like that kind of jacket. David Tennant wears like a long sort of trench coat with like. um, I see bright colors. Yes, at least in the episode that we saw. There's one I want to say it's Tom Baker that he had like a very colorful scarf. Is that the older dude? He's in one of the classic ones. Okay. The newer ones start with Christopher Eccleston. He's the ninth doctor. Okay. He only did it for a year or two, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but they all have their particular look, They all, which makes it very easy to cosplay as a specific doctor. Oh, yeah. It's never... It's ne- Okay, so it's never unclear which doctor you're playing. True. Got um, it. They all redesign the TARDIS in their own specific way. So the inside. Each, yes. Obviously. The inside. <laughs> it's always a police it's call bigger box, on the right? Yes, it's bigger on the inside. That's what she said? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. They do make a few minor changes to the outside, but the main, um, the main difference is the inside. And when you have multiple... Spoiler alert. There are a few episodes that have multiple doctors who meet each other. Oh. Crossover that, episodes with, with itself. I like that. So whenever the... <laughs> The previous doctor walks into the new doctor's TARDIS. Yeah. You redecorated. <laughs> I don't like it. <laughs> and they all have their own sonic screwdriver. Oh, it looks different. It looks different every time. So. Oh, interesting. So, um, as for headcanon, I don't, I don't really know that much about it. I've, I've only really watched religiously David Tennant's episodes and Matt Smith's episodes that's the 10th and 11th doctors um what about I, the latest one i thought you liked the latest one. if you will let me weave my tail uh, weave your tail ma'am um i didn't watch any of the peter capaldi episodes that would be the 12th Is but that- then when he regenerated into jody whitaker the most recent 13th slash 14th depending on who you ask um i love her but she's only been in like 10 episodes so I, I don't really have like a whole is she here's the thing every person has their doctor you right. can go to <clears throat> doctor who fan who's your doctor they'll be able to tell you uh, my doctor is david Tennant. he was the first one that i watched i love him he's adorable did i mention they all have their own catchphrase as well i didn't know that no yes what, uh, so what so david Tennant. alonzi Alonzi? How's that a catchphrase? That sounds like a word. What is the meaning of Alonzi? Um, is basically let's go. Is it in some language that's It's not... French. Oh. Um, so David Tennant says Alonzi, which means let's go. Um, Matt Smith likes to say that things are cool, like bow ties are cool fezzes are cool Mm. um but all of the doctors their unified catchphrase is um run (laughs) really it really is run yeah oh and that comes up in the library episode yes um so yeah run i'm really i'm really enjoying the new doctor who she has her own look which i love she reminds me very much of david Tennant which I love as well. She actually um, was in a show. Damn, I can't remember the name of the show. Her and David Tennant acted together in a show. Oh, that's um, great. (laughs) God, I almost had it. Um, But anyway, so 
I'm really liking her. I liked a lot of the episodes she did. Um, so I'm looking forward to watching more of her. Excellent. What is your one-sentence TV guide summary? It's not very interesting. The doctor's messing around with history again. That doesn't give us much information, does it? Not really. So, um, we, like I said, we watched two episodes, Vincent and the Doctor. Um, this one is a Matt Smith episode from season five. And it says, the Doctor and Amy travel back in time to meet Vincent Van Gogh. Vincent Van Gogh. And face an invisible monster that only the painter can see. And then Silence in the Library says, The Doctor and Donna visit an abandoned library. They land in the universe's biggest library, a stunning building packed with every book ever written. But it's eerily quiet. Where are all the readers? And who has left an enigmatic message urging an enigmatic message urging visitors to stay out of the shadows? How did things so how did things meet or not meet your expectations? So we can um, right now I'm gonna answer taking these two episodes separately. So like I said, I was really concerned. Either th- they're gonna with the Van Gogh episode, they're either gonna punch me in the head mm-hmm. or it's gonna be like a great big hug. Mm-hmm. It was a great big hug. I'm so glad. I I was sure you would like it, but then I was nervous. They did a really great loving job. The people in all aspects of making this show, I'm almost certain, just love Van Gogh. Like, the handling was so good. I give it a five. I don't believe I've given a five yet. I don't think so. I don't think it, I'm not sure either one of us has given a five yet. It was so, so, so good. I'm glad. And not just because it was mushy and emotional and made me, like... Made me like a wreck. Like, this made me <laughs> so emotional. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie to you. This this may be. It's definitely one of my favorite Doctor Who episodes of all time. It may be the, but it's one of the few of any show that can actually actually make me cry. I'm not much of a big crier, but this one got me all teared up. Oh my god, I was so trying not to blubber. We can get to that. <laughs> we can get to that later. So the second uh, the episode we watched after that the the library episode, um, silence in the library. Yes. I was absolutely totally wrong about it, <laughs> but I still think it was great, and I gave it a four point five, maybe because I was just really moved. <laughs> maybe partly because I was very moved because we had watched the the Van Gogh episode before it. So as far as the Van Gogh episode goes, like I wanted, like I said, I wanted, I said I wanted to see one recreation of his paintings. (laughs) I started counting. I got to seven. Yeah, they had a bunch. Um, The first time I saw this, um, that scene where he's going to describe what, where Van Gogh is going to describe what the monster looks like, and he paints over one of his paintings to yeah. draw and they're like no don't and I'm like I had that same reaction like no it's valuable but to him it's it's nothing he's made all of no. these things and nobody likes them and nobody cares well he he establishes that he does care this version of Vincent van Gogh does care about his work 
but at the same time when you're a creative person they call it when it comes down to like editing or cutting corners or if you need a new canvas and you don't have one right now mm-hmm. they call it um don't the phrase i've heard is don't be afraid to murder your darlings like if it's like don't be pre- if you're precious about everything mm-hmm. then you're just gonna have like a house full of junk like don't be precious be precious about the things that matter not every little scrap now i can understand wanting to keep every scrap of everything that Van <laughs> Gogh's ever done i get that but to, in in his mind i think in the mind of this version of Van Gogh it's like yeah this is fine I have some specific questions about each episode when when we get okay. to that point. So, um, do you have other if you, do you have other thoughts about like what the silence in the library? How did that meet your expectation, or do you have more to say about Van Gogh? I have Gogh? a lot to say about Van. I reject the way the British say Van Gogh. <laughs> so the the American way is Van Gogh. Uh huh. Van Gogh. And then the the Dutch. When a Dutch person says it, or when a, even when an English person says it the right, the quote unquote correct way, it sounds it sounds more like Van Gogh. Mm-hmm. Like you're like, speaking Klingon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's like a Tuvok. No way, Tuvok wasn't a Tuvok. War. So not. Tuvok's a. a no. Vulcan. Yes, he is. Worf's a Klingon. Va- how about Vogh? Vok was a it's Klingon. Even, and it's even in his name, right? Yeah. Vok. <laughs> ben Gogh and Vok. Oh my god. What if Vok, like, went into Van Gogh's body instead of Ash Tyler's? Okay, I need that mashup somewhere else. We're not talking about that right you now. You can bring that up on the Discovery podcast <laughs> after show. Yes. Um, <laughs> so. On the Cosmic Potato Network. So yes, I have lots of thoughts about Van, the Van Gogh episode, but I'll try to I'll try to speed through these things. So, you don't need to speed through them. I'm I'm genuinely interested in what you have to say. So I could be wrong, but I think that Vincent's dialogue in this show was taken again lovingly right out of his letters to Theo. Really? <laughs> like the things that he says are like profound and deep, and I'm like I've definitely heard this attributed to Van Gogh before the idea of light and shadow blah 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 and like I think this way about the night sky you think it's black but it's really dark blue I think oh, these are I see. these are thoughts that he's actually said to his brother which interesting which I ha- um, a lot of artists will say like yeah I looked at the pictures but I don't read any of the words the, the, there are like there is at least one book you can get, maybe more, that have the printed letters that between Theo and Vincent about his work. Well, about lots of things. But I didn't even know that existed. I believe that's a real thing. I'm, I'm interested to hear what you think about the idea of, um, as far as a disability portrayal, that there's an invisible monster that makes him look like he's insane but he's really not he's just literally fighting a thing that only he can see so i do have a lot to say about that um on one hand it 
kind of feeds into this um, disabled person as a, a having magical powers where he can see something that no one else can see and mm-hmm. only he can defeat it because he's the person who can see it. But on the other hand, and the way that I... I also love Vincent Van Gogh. Um, so the way that I choose to portray it or the way I choose to read it is that um, Van Gogh was was known for having mental illness. Like you said, it might have been due to the lead or the paint. And it's like he's struggling with this invisible monster like... To me, his depression and mental illness is the invisible monster. He's trying to fight it. He's trying to get rid of it. But, oh, it's an allegory, um, not a literal... Right, but like no one else can see it, and they all make fun of him for you know oh, reacting in these ways to things they can't see. Um, and then the monster itself is blind. And what does that say about... like? It's, it's kind of sick and old. Yeah, it had been abandoned by its other like it's pod mates because it was blind it couldn't go on hunting like it was supposed to um so you have kind of a disabled man interacting with a disabled monster and the doctor somehow um you know helping them both to realize that neither one of them is the enemy they um you know the way that that the doctor is able to help vincent is with that funny little mirror because until then, right. Vincent really thought, you know, I can see. The, why can't anyone see anything else? To have the doctor confirm, yes, you really are seeing this thing, and we'll take care of it, is basically to me like a doctor in these in these modern times being like, okay, we know you have depression. Now, what can we do to help you with that? Um, so yeah, I I'm sure some people perceive it as magical disabled person but to me I like to read it more as a treatment of disability and helping someone without magically curing Van Gogh because they don't ultimately they don't right you know he still has those demons and those um, mental illness problems but like the doctor was saying they were able to add on to his happy pile of thoughts and take some away from his bad pile of thoughts, which is a really interesting way to look at, you know, um, mil- uh, mental illness and depression and anxiety and that sort of thing. Yeah, I don't think. I think it was an interesting way of looking at Van Gogh's life in particular and saying, like, yeah, I think we added, like, the doctor was saying, oh, we've added to his good pile Mm -hmm. but like it's not like when you're depressed it's not like depression is just about if only you could get happy enough right yeah then everything would be okay because that's not how that works right you know but yeah i like i like the invisible monster as allegory for for depression though that is that is good um, I also thought it was it was probably also good for the budget because an invisible <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> oh, that was a very aggressive like aggressive as far as um, to when they do flesh that thing out like that is a couple of bucks right <laughs> <to> so. <do. laughs> 
I mean, also for the suspense and the building of, like, only Vincent can see this monster. <laughs> right. Um, but also, you don't have to... Because it was very obviously CGI from, like, 2008. Um, you don't have to spend all that money to make the monster visible in every shot. And there's something, frankly, a little bit scarier about... You just see things um, down an alleyway falling over and whatnot, and this thing is coming after you, and you know it's coming after you. Like it's scarier sometimes to not see it. Like, what could this possibly, you know, possibly be that's coming right towards me? Like Jaws. A lot like Jaws. Well, we have forty-five minutes before we actually see the shark. Something like that. And the movie, nobody believes me, but it's only fifty-two minutes long. I was waiting. It's not really. I was waiting for an objects and mirror maybe closer than they appear joke with the doctor's <laughs> little mirror, you know? Never came. Oh, I do have a question about, because, you know, since I'm new, I am new to Doctor Who. That, that, that thing that he's like, he was kind of talking to himself and sort of babbling and not really like seeming super coherent. The when doctor was, or Vincent? The, doc, the uh-huh. doctor, when he was looking for that device that allowed him to see uh-huh. behind him, do they... Was that made specifically for that episode? Or does the does the doctor just have all of this equipment that you may only see once? Yes. I guess that's the same. The second part. I guess that's the same. He so, has... There are rooms and rooms in the TARDIS. Really? Yeah. So it's not just as... It's bigger than you... It's not just... Yes. ...that one big circular area. I think one doctor had a swimming pool somewhere. (laughs) No way. There are, like, bunks and places where people sleep and stuff. Why would you do anything but... Why would you... Why would you do anything besides always try to get back to the TARDIS to be safe? (laughs) I don't understand that at all. How else can you have adventures? If you don't leave the TARDIS. So, yes, it's I, it's yeah. entirely possible that, that he just had that mirror somewhere in the TARDIS, air quotes, that <laughs> was specifically used for this episode. But that's how they sort of explain it away is the Doctor has everything, you know? Right. L- like Inspector Gadget, if you're a fan of that uh, cartoon. Inspector Gadget. Um. It's sometimes, I can't remember if he said something specifically this time, but it's sometimes funny when he's like, oh, yeah, I got this from uh, Queen Elizabeth back in the 1600s or whatever, you know? Um, <laughs> I always like that kind of stuff. I have, a, I have a couple of questions for you. Okay. What did you think of the actor who played Vincent Mango, both in appearance and, like, you know, mannerisms from, from what you know, like, from those letters? Uh, I mean, from what I know and what I've, you know, you see from, I mean, you can, you could even say it from the, um, from that show where they actually go into a museum and they show like a close up of Vincent Van Gogh's painted eyes and they have the actor go in and they, you can A, B, like it's great. It's so good. And when he puts on the hat, oh my God, it's like. We both laughed when he put on that hat. That was one of my. Laughing through the tears. (laughs) That was one of the seven, you know, one of the seven recreations of paintings in the show uh, that I counted. Do you know which seven they, like, do you know their names or could you describe them? I can describe them. I don't know. Uh Uh, So, real quick, uh, 
I mean, it's obvious. The first one is obviously the the first one is the last painting he ever painted, which was an empty field, the dark sky. There's birds in the sky. Uh-huh. Uh huh. The second one, the the cafe. Oh yeah. The cafe at night with the uh, lit uh, lit up with the yellowish orange light. The bedroom, uh, Vincent Van Gogh's bedroom with the red, um, with the red uh, red bedspread and the mm-hmm. bluish green walls and mm-hmm. the wood. Uh, sunflowers, obviously. Um, Vincent Van Gogh's self-portrait with that silly uh, hat. Starry Night, and there's another one with fields where I'm like, oh, they like there was one moment near the end where they show this field um, with uh, different buildings and whatnot. I'm looking at, it, I'm like, oh, this is definitely a Van Gogh painting. I'm not sure exactly which one, but. Um. I was going to ask you something specifically about, well, another one of my questions while I think of that is, could Van Gogh really hear colors? Because I hear that some, here, uh, pun, um, <laughs> I hear that something that some artists can actually do is like, you hear colors or you taste color, like, that's something that really does happen, kind of like perfect pitch where you hear a tone and you can tell it's like a C or a C sharp or a B flat or whatever. I think it's a little different with, um, sometimes people, uh, visual, uh, a visual artist will attribute certain, um, sounds or tastes to a color or a visual, but I don't think it's a one-to-one, I don't think it's as scientific as, like, perfect pitch. Mm-hmm. I think it's about a feeling that someone gets. <laughs> this, this is a little silly, but um, I remember being a child, and when I was learning the alphabet, I thought about, like, when it, when it came down to having to memorize stuff, and I would look at, like, the, there were all these, the letters in the middle that are, like, I's and L's and K's and M's and N's. It had lots of, there's all those, there's lots of letters in a row that have, like, lines, like, uh-huh. straight lines mm-hmm. in them. And I thought, oh, this is like, this is like a forest without trees, mm-hmm. you know? And then there are, um, there are... Lots of letters like G's that are like circular, and mm-hmm. there's C's and B's and A's, um, lowercase a and uppercase mm-hmm. B and lowercase b. These are rounder, so these are like rolling hills, is what I thought. Mm. <laughs> like, so, so I would think about like when I would try to think about going from A to Z. I'm closing my eyes trying to think about it now. I would think about those as. Um, those is like a landscape so there'd be the ones in the middle like there are certain letters that i think of as being like deserty and hot and like tannish mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway and ones like the the letters in the beginning i think of as being um sort of lush and maybe jungly and you know mm-hmm but I think it's a personal... Pro- I, I'm, I'm saying all that to say that I think it's a 
it's a personal expression as uh-huh. opposed to a universal, oh, I know exactly what you mean. I see. You can relate to Van Gogh when he puts um, uh, halos around stars in Starry mm-hmm. Night. You can relate to that. We don't immediately look up at a star and go, I'm seeing Starry Night. Yeah, that's true. Um, so, to me... Oh, I remember what I was going to ask you now. Oh, good. Did you appreciate the obviously set scenes that resembled his paintings, like the cafe and the bedroom? Oh, it's what I wanted. It's okay. what I wanted. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. <laughs> um, some of that work with... Like, there was some... Um, some pretty dramatic lighting and shadows. Is that something that's representative of Van Gogh's work? Like, were they putting in that lighting because it was Van Gogh, or was it just part of the Doctor Who episode? you see what I'm saying? Yeah, I think it's about... So Van Gogh was very specific in the colors he used. To me, Van Gogh is all about uh, color and line quality and then shape. Which I, I mean, we're going, we're going down, we're going down a an art history rabbit hole. Not that we're already, <laughs> not that we're not already at the bottom of one, <laughs> although we sort of are. But um, but yeah, I think that uh, Van Gogh's colors, the colors in the paintings are are pretty are pretty bright and vibrant and. Um, they're very specific. I mean, you can't... The line quality is something that you can't really... You can't really portray in, you know, in live action. Mm-hmm. I don't really think it's exactly exactly possible. They did to a certain extent when the three of them, when Amy, the doctor, mm-hmm. and Vincent were all staring up at the sky and they are holding hands and they were mm-hmm. experiencing... I'm going to try not to cry right now, but yeah, they were experiencing the sky as Vincent sees it. Like, that was the closest to the line quality that Van Gogh was able to capture because they literally drew lines in the yeah. sky. That's the only way to really capture that, which which they still did an excellent job of, I think. So are you ready to talk about the end? So... No, because I don't want to cry again. <laughs> but um, can I just say up front right here that like almost everything that Dosen said about Van Gogh was just right on. It really was. It was, so, and Bill Nye like delivered it perfectly. He's like the enraptured fan slash person who wanted other people to experience his experience of Van Gogh. Right. So. Yeah, I'm sorry. Please continue. No, no, that's I, I, I totally agree. But in a way, it wasn't even like he wasn't. He was almost more of like he wasn't just like Van Gogh fanboy and super excited to talk about the thing that he loved and why he loved it. Right. You know, he was just like, oh, like overall, like the doctor's question is overall, where does Van Gogh fit in everything? Yeah. In art history came before came after you know and uh so it was a well measured like no this i'm saying all these great things about him but it is within the context of 
all of our history. Yeah. So that's amazing. Also, anyway, go ahead. No, I was I was asking what you what you thought of the end. The end is very much a tearjerker. It, well, I was I was crying before the the very very end. Like so, the end is that it didn't matter ultimately. He ki- still killed himself months later. Sorry, I meant the end as in the end to me starts where they take Vincent to the future and he sees himself. Like that, the whole oh. museum ending sequence right. to me is the end. So like, oh, when they take him there and he can hear, like Amy very purposely puts him where he can hear the docent talking yeah. about Vincent yeah. Van Gogh, and then he just starts crying and like realizing all of these people standing here. There were school children. There was someone there with like the little um, translator thing that will tell you about the artwork right. and like. All of these people all there to see his work in a museum. And he just, like, pretty much breaks down with his eyes all red and, like, tears streaming down his face. And it's just, it's so powerful. Like, first of all, that this is not something the doctor typically does, is take historic figures into the future. That, that is not weird. something that, that he does. That seemed weird to show anyone in that particular time period the inside of the TARDIS at all. Right. Right. To reveal who he is seems to be a betrayal of who he is. But I think I think the doctor knew that it wasn't going to change. Um, he said that. He said that he didn't think it would make any more paintings, that he wouldn't prolong his life. That Right. Not because, I mean, he also realizes, like, um, that mental illness is is bigger than just one event one thing that they can change but also as as we learn in other doctor who episodes there are some fixed points in time that can't be changed so like maybe van gogh's death is or is not one of we don't really find out if it's one of those fixed points in time that has to occur but i think the doctor knows even in helping him that things are still going to turn out the same so why not show him Look, this is what oh, your right. work is going to become. Right. It does matter, um, even though you know you're still going to feel hopeless and commit suicide in a couple months anyway. Right. Um, part of me would like to see, and this might only be me, but I would love for Vincent to be sent through the rest of art history that happens after his death in 1890. Mm-hmm. Like, let's show him 100 years. <laughs> let's show him 100 years of art in that art museum and see what he thinks about it. True. Because he might be like, oh, yeah, like, this is where this is where it was going, or does he go, what? I was kind of hoping when they were taking him through the museum, he'd be like, I don't know any contemporaries of Van Gogh, but he would be like, Oh, my friend Renoir painted that, or whatever, you know? <laughs> Probably not contemporaries, but I think you get my drift. Yeah, Renoir would be... Uh, so Van Gogh is considered a post-impressionist, and Van, uh, uh, Renoir was a impressionist, so yeah, it would be like... A, so they didn't run in the same circles. I mean, it's not clear It's not clear to me, like, who knew who, uh-huh. you know? But some of the same people come out of various schools, right? Right, yeah. I mean, he would definitely be, like, if you brought him into, like, 
a room with nothing but Monet's, he'd be like, oh, okay, yeah. I get, I, I see where I am. Okay, so, technology hates us, and we were going to talk about silence in the library. The Doctor Who episode? Yes. However, a computer decided to not cooperate, and here we are. So, we're just gonna well, give our audience... Let me just say right here that I believe it was uh, Vincent Van Gogh's uh, ghost who caused this to happen because why would he want to share the spotlight true that's a good point yeah so um the only thing i wanted to mention about silence in the library is that it's the introduction of one miss river song who is kind of important in future episodes it's a really great episode by the way if i may (laughs) if i may quickly say I'm glad you liked it. It's really... a two-parter, so maybe we should watch the second part. Oh, yeah. Like, the possibilities in it are just, ama- you know, really amazing, the idea of this library world. But I'm maybe saying too many words. <laughs> we can call it quits. Okay. So, you can find us a bunch of places now, like iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, we're also on the Cosmic Potato Podcast Network at CosmicPotato.com. You can find a lot of other great shows there like Captain Game Show, Cosmic Potato, the Super Fan Talk Podcast, World War G, Trial by Pilot, and a few others. As for us, just go to WaitYou'veNeverSeen.com to find links, social media, and contact information. Leave us some feedback and let us know if you have any suggestions for movies or TV shows we should watch. That's our show for today. Next time we'll be watching Band of Brothers. Thanks for listening. <laughs>